Amen. Praise the Lord. Were you blessed by the message of that song? It's always uh, a blessing as, you know, um, Filipinos when we uh, hear special music from our major dialect, our language, uh, safe or ligtas. Salamat po sa Panginoon. Ang kaligtasan natin ay nanggagaling lamang sa Panginoon. Isn't it? Our salvation is of the Lord. You know, it's free. It's forever. It's full. It's by faith. Amen? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is something that cannot be uh, compared to anything that this world can offer. Isn't it? So let me ask you Christians, are you glad you're saved this morning? Amen. Amen. We can embrace our hand and say, Lord, thank you. I'm saved forevermore. Thank you for your love to me, for your grace that had saved me. Thank you that one uh, point of my life I heard the gospel. Amen. The good news that Jesus loves me, that he died on the cross, he shed his blood, he was buried and he rose again. I knew that moment that I was lost, I'm a sinner, I could never save myself. And my, I put my whole faith and trust on the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross for my salvation. It's by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing, isn't it? And I'm glad that it's still a, a message that we can share and declare to others. Amen? In this world that we're living in. So, I hope um, you're blessed already. Your hearts have been prepared by the messages of the song that we've uh, sung this morning. Thank the Lord for giving us another uh, week of life. First day of the month of May. And thank God for the beautiful weather that we have outside and uh, I heard like uh, something in the radio that when you go outside when you get exposed to uh, the natural vitamin D for like 20 minutes a day it, it does you good you know uh, so I'm wearing a uh, little sunshine so I'm not I hope I'm not too bright for you you know a uh, little sun in here but uh, I thank God for his healing mercies to all of us I know we've been missing some of our good folks in our church I know their hearts would like to be here, but for the sake of safety and precaution, uh, they're not here with us uh, physically, but they are with us virtually. Amen? They are with us in spirit, and uh, I know they're praying for us. So thank you for being supportive and just uh, for this avenue, this vehicle, that we can still worship the Lord together. But for, that, for us who are here today, we praise and thank God for this opportunity once again to worship the Lord together. So um, we will continue our studies in the book of Nehemiah. We are now in chapter 3. All right. And I'd like to request everyone to please stand with me. And uh, we'll read uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20, and the first verse of chapter 3. And our message today is entitled Master Delegator. And uh, from our studies in the scripture, we know that um, the Old Testament is uh, divided not chronologically but by subject matter, isn't it? Like Genesis to Deuteronomy is about the law or the Pentateuch. And we can see here the writings of Moses. And uh, just the first book of the Bible is so wonderful and important because Genesis chapters 1 to 11 is uh, literal. Amen? Uh, proclamation of the Word of God where we... Find out where we came from, the origin of life, that we have a creator, and uh, we saw the fall of man. We saw how the nation of Israel was, you know, uh, formed through the lineage of the calling of Abraham. And the rest uh, is just about, really, the history of the Bible is about Jesus. Amen? 
about the promised Messiah, the promised seed all the way from Genesis 3.15. And then from Joshua all the way to Esther is the historical books. And of course, from Job all the way to, I think, Ecclesiastes are the poetries and then the major prophets and the minor prophets. So we're studying about history uh, in the book of Nehemiah. And sometimes history lessons can, can kind of be boring, isn't it? How many were bored when you're in social studies or history class? But for those who love history... This is good for you. Amen? And the Bible is always good for us. Amen? We are uh, told to preach the whole counsel of God. And uh, in our Friday joint Bible study, we are going to the Bible in the 26th. I wish and pray I could preach and teach the Word of God verse by verse, book by book, the whole, you know, until, until we get raptured. But at least in our Sunday school, we do books by book. Amen? Verse by verse in our uh, Bible study. So, uh, thank God that our church loves to teach and preach God's word. And uh, uh, we should uh, be benefited by that. So this is another history. And we know that history sometimes repeats itself. Amen? But also history teaches us great things. Isn't it? Teaches us some wonderful lessons. So here, uh, I don't know, have you heard a message about Nehemiah chapter 3? If you look a quick scan at it and a glance you'll see a lot of names that are hard to pronounce. And don't you uh, sometimes tempted to skip that chapter? It's like in reading in the book of Genesis, the begat, the begat, you know? And why is all these things written in the Bible? I don't really know them personally. I don't really know their background. But of course, the Bible scholars and those that are devoted to study God's Word, they really search and look for. But as we know in the Scripture that the Bible is written for our example. Isn't it? We can learn something. So today we will learn something from this, wow, chapter, Nehemiah chapter 3. Because there, there is um, 38 individuals. I will not preach to, for all of them, you know, one by one. All right? And 42 groups that helped Nehemiah in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Remember, our study is Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2. Nehemiah had a vision from the Lord he had a burden to go back to his own country to rebuild the walls, the, the cities that were trodden by the Gentiles, you know, and build the gates. And this is such a, a tremendous task, but he, you know, saturated himself, enveloped himself with prayer. Because prayer can do more, amen, than, than whatever else in, in this life. So he prayed more than he worked because this great project was done in 52 days. Many supposed to be done in multi, multi-years, but because of his favor that he got from God from his prayer and his burden, this was completed. So it's an exciting study, so let's read it together. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20, and also verse 1. Begin. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the ship gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mea. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we bless your name. We thank you for this uh, wonderful opportunity. Uh, to see and feel and experience the beauty of thine holiness, your faithfulness in our lives. We as Christians, as 
believers in Jesus, Lord, we celebrate this day knowing, Lord, that because of the Lord, we have this being. We are uh, able to move, we breathe, and we can function. We can, Lord, uh, serve you. We can know you more because of your wonderful grace and compassion that's always new every morning. And as your people, Lord, as our uh, brothers in the Lord that prayed this morning, once again, would like to ask you for your, Lord, forgiveness, for your cleansing. If you see any iniquities in our hearts, uh, sins in our minds, in our thoughts, in our deeds, that we uh, not confess unto thee, Lord, you know, and you can search our hearts. Forgive us, O Father. Cleanse us uh, with the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that something that is said and uh, shared this morning from your word will be a special blessing to us, will help us, Lord, and encourage us, and also instruct us and reprove us and rebuke us, Lord, to, to be more for thee. And thank you, Lord, for um, your loving kindness, and thank you, Lord, for all our visitors here uh, worshiping with us, for our brethren in Christ that are also uh, joining us virtually. May you bless them, Lord, and meet their um, spiritual need today, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you so much. All right, so just a quick uh, recap of what we've been studying. Last time we saw Nehemiah's vision, and now it must become reality beginning in chapter 3. And that's going to take a lot of help, this rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And as I said a while ago, many people, uh, including me, sometimes were guilty of skipping this chapter because it reads like a Hebrew phone book. <laughs> all these names and all these groups. You know, it's like, uh, it's all names and sounds like the begat chapters in Genesis 3. But you know what? It is a very important chapter. We can learn something today. You know, um, the Bible has some uh, spiritual uh, applications, spiritual lessons that we can derive from the passage of Scripture. Even here, in this chapter. It is the most uh, detailed description of the layout of old Jerusalem, Nehemiah chapter 3, with intricate details about the placement of each wall and gate. There are eight gates, I believe, that were mentioned in this chapter. And later on in this study, we will see the significance, spiritual significance of those gates in Jerusalem. Even archaeologists sometimes use this chapter as a map to help them as they dig in the old city. You know, in our blessed trip in Jerusalem 2019, uh, we saw like uh, the comparison from the old city of Jerusalem and the new city of, of Jerusalem. And it's really amazing how, what archaeologists could find in their diggings, in their study. That truly proves that the Bible is true. It's accurate. It can be trusted. Because history, you know, just like... Um, Sumasabay lang siya sa Bible. Amen? Because the Bible is always true because it's God's word. It's very dependable prophetically, historically, doctrinally. That's why we can place and trust to the written word of God. Amen? The revealed word of God, the Bible. And in, the Bible says it's something that will stand and remain forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So let's continue to read. Amen? Study and meditate upon the Bible. Because we are a Bible-believing Christian. Amen? So we see here that uh, this chapter, chapter 3, is being used even by archaeologists.
to map the old city of Jerusalem. So the first two chapters have been all about preparing to do the work of God. Now we see that the actual work will begin. Nehemiah was given an assignment from God. And you know what? You and I as Christians, we need to find out what is also our assignment from God. God has something planned for your life. Amen? God has a purpose in your life. He has. He has a great design and uh, purpose for you. Look there in chapter uh, 2, verse 20, the one that we read. This is God's desire for us that the God of heaven, He will prosper us. This is a great undertaking. And, and we love to hear that word, I want God to bless me. I want God to prosper me. But you know what? It's also conditional you know, to our obedience to the Lord. Amen? Because uh, we see these two characters, Tobiah and Sanbalat, you know, it says here they will not have any legal uh, uh, blessing in, in the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem because even though they are servants of God, they are serving God legitimately. And later on in our study, we will see what they're doing, you know. But you know what? They, they don't have any legal standing because or legal contribution to the work of God because their heart is not right before God. That's why it's important whenever we serve God that our heart is right before Him. Amen? We're doing it because we love the Lord. Amen? We're doing it because it's the least we can do to everything that God has done for us. We are doing it for His glory. So, here, Nehemiah could never have completed this great work so quickly without a lot of good help he delegated to. So, we have... Two basic major points in our study this morning, first and foremost, is we can find here in this chapter a superior organization. A superior organization. We see here in verse 1, verse 2, verse 4, verse 5, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 9. Um, the phrase, and next unto him. Do you notice that? And next unto him, like in verse 1. You know, when they built it on the other half, the sheep gate, they sanctified it and set up the doors, it even unto the tower of Messiah. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiah. Then in verse 2, and next unto him. We have the enumeration of the individuals and even groups of people that were part in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. The, this thing is like an organized Swiss watch. Have you seen the internal of a, a very uh, reputable and expensive hand watch? Isn't it? Everything has to be precise. Everything has to be accurate. Everything has to be in its proper place. So it will function well and it could take, tell you the exact and accurate time. Isn't it? And, and, and a Swiss watch is a very complex you know, uh, tool to read time. We believe in following the Spirit's leading, isn't it? But we reject the notion that we should not organize and plan, but just fly by the seat of our pants. Some might say we organize the Holy Spirit right out of our church, but God does not want chaos in His church. He says all things must be done decently and in order. Amen? Just look at some of these illustrations. How about uh, how the creation of the world, isn't it? Look at the organization in creation from the cosmos of 
stars down to earth. You know, the history of creation, six literal days, 24-hour days, God created the world. And it was organized. There was light first, then second day, the firmament and the dry ground. Third day were the plant life. Fourth day were the sun, moon, and stars. Fifth day were the uh, animal kingdom. And sixth day, uh, the human body, isn't it? It's, it's organized. It's organized. By the way, when we see organization, it suggests there is an organizer. Amen? When we see design in the universe, it suggests there is a designer. And through the word of the Bible, the scripture, we believe that we are created by God. Amen? We don't believe that everything happened by random chance. That there was a big bang somewhere that caused everything to what we know right now. There is a superior intellectual being who created all things. Because practically saying, logically saying, if there is a creation, there's supposed to be a creator. Amen? And it takes more faith to believe in something that exists out of nothing, isn't it? Because of some random process than to believe that there is already a creator God who put everything in its place. It, had, it takes more faith to believe that. But thanks be to God because we know that there is a creator God. We are created in His image. We are created with a reason, with a purpose, and that is to fellowship with Him, to give glory to Him. So just in creation, we can see some organization. God believes in organization. If our bodies, another example, were not organized, they would not function properly or function at all, isn't it? And just the human body is such a complex creation of God. The skeletal system, the circulatory system, all this system works together in tandem so you can go to church today. Amen? Amen? Your body parts will say, oh, if your body says, I don't want to function today. Sometimes that happens, isn't it? And you'll be in trouble, isn't it? So we see that there is organization in everything. And the spiritual health of the church is also dependent upon organization. But the church is special because we're not just an organization we're an organism. Amen? The Bible says in Matthew 16, 18, Christ declared, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ is the head of our church. He's the founder of our church. And thanks be to God, here in our church, we have some organization. Amen? We have the pastoral staff, the council, with the deacons, and the board of ministries and trustees, the officers of our church, and we work together. As a team, as a unit for the glory of God. And we thank God for Pastor Max and Madam Josie here and, and the, the previous officers of our church who prayed and, and, and talked to the Lord to, give, to be given wisdom in order to enhance the ministry of the Lord in this place. You know, the gifts that God has given us, the spiritual gifts mentioned in Ephesians and Christians are given to every spiritual uh, a Christian believers in Christ to be exercise and to be used for the benefit of the church so the church can flourish you know i don't like really uh, business meetings in the church you know because sometimes it's long i hate business business but the re reality is that there is business to take care of isn't it let's look it at this way it's not just merely a business it's god's business when we're in the church. So by far, 
it is the best business in the world. Amen? And it deserves an organized approach. We need to be good stewards, as the Bible says. And takes, it takes some work to be good stewards. Just look also, another example of the family about organization, isn't it? There must be a head in the family. Of course, the father is the head of the family, they say. The mother is the heart of the family. The children are the heritage or the happiness of the family. And sometimes when they are rebellious and disobedient, they become the headache of the family, you know, of mom and dad. But there is an organization, there is a chain of command, amen? And look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, uh, we live in a day and age where the devil would like to destroy the main nucleus of every society, isn't it? Which is the family. Even there's a show called Modern Family, you know? And uh, it's like becoming norm right now. But originally, God's design is for a father and a mother and their children, isn't it? To be in a family. So what are our responsibilities as a family? First, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, all right? It says their wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. This is uh, with the loving and uh, faithful leadership of the husband, isn't it? We are commanded... The wives are to submit unto the Lord. It's always the key is unto the Lord. Amen? For the husbands is the head of the wife. Why? Because he was created first. Adam was created first. Even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the, of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That's why marriage is sacred still before God. It's still honorable. Amen? Because when a husband and wife got married, they also represent, especially as Christians, you know, the, the, relation, the relationship between Christ, who is the head of the church, and the believers who are part of the church as his bride. There is a correlation there. There is a parallel there. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let, see there, the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So wives submit. Seems like it's easy. Amen? <laughs> But look unto the Lord once again, amen? But look at verse 25. Oh, you're not an uh, exempted husband. But husband, love your wives. What is the word love there? It's the highest degree and form of love. Agape kind of love. Unconditional, sacrificial, eternal. Like Christ loved the church, he gave himself for it. So husband, love your wives even as Christ. Agape loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So the key is for husband and wife, you know, there's no perfect relationship, isn't it? But when you love the Lord, unto the Lord, you will learn to love each other. You will be committed to each other. You'll be uh, complimenting each other. You'll complete each other because the love of God will be there. You know, and then what about children? Ephesians chapter 6, the next chapter. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Isn't it? Verse 2, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Amen? Uh, as I said, children are the heritage of the Lord unto a mother and a father. And the Bible says in Psalms 127, 
Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know? Law, children are heritage and the Lord. And happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. So I have five in my quiver. Amen? By the grace of God. But you know what? It takes a lot of work to raise kids nowadays. Huh? That's why Brother Gilbert is taking his time. You know? Uh, but it's a gift. It's a heritage. As I said, children are a happiness heritage. But sometimes they become a headache. You know? But for us as children, we also are given the opportunity and the privilege to be of help to our parents. Especially when they get older, isn't it? We are the ones who are supposed to help them. And, but isn't it sometimes right now, it's the, still the parents helping their children? Uh, I saw like a, a segment in one of um, the conservative um, uh, television broadcasts. Uh, they asked these people a survey. I think it's Laura Ingram, and I'm not promoting her show, but they uh, asked a, a group of people, a survey, if they're still helping their children pay their own bills because of what's happening right now in our economy. And you know, some of them are still in your uh, insurance, isn't it? Until the age of 26. And, and for a, a Filipino culture, we have a very strong family ties, isn't it? As much as possible, <clears throat> sometimes the children still wants to be under the wings, under the shadow. You know, under the house, literally, amen, in the basement or in the attic of, of their parents. Because they're still trying to help them to be in their feet, amen. And that's a blessing. That's a blessing. But you know what? Don't forsake our parents, our children, when they get old and feeble. We need to be of help to them. They're still helping us. Thank God for their life, for their desire. But they're supposed to be a point that we should help them in prayer in finances, in everything. Amen? Because it's what God's word says. We need to honor them at all times. No matter what their age is. No matter if they don't want us to help them. Amen? Still help them and pray for them. See, there's an organization even in the family. And I said, sad to say, right now, sa America, may modern family, isn't it? Sad to say, we're living in a day and age when there's so much confusion, blurring of the truth from the scripture, from the original design of the family. You know what's going on right now? You know? With uh, uh, families that are dysfunctional, and, and kudos to our church members who are single moms, amen? By the grace of God, they were helped by the Lord to raise their own family, even though it's tough, it's hard. You know why they were able to do that? Because of the grace of God. Because they, they, they are a part of a church where some people really, uh, you know, uh, help them and pray for them and support them and comfort them. And that's good. That's commendable, isn't it? Unfortunately, those things happen. But praise be to God that even though you don't have a perfect family in this world, but if you're a child of God, you belong to God's family. And that's something that you cannot, you know, run away from. Amen? And sometimes you might like go out of, the, of, of God's family, might backslide and be called, but God is always there like the prodigal son. Amen? Compassionate, always trying to get you back to go to the right track. So a family is organized also in the scripture. You know, if dad lets the maintenance go around the house, it will eventually fall in on itself. Amen? If mom lets the house go to chaos and allow hallways to, to generate, into pathways, everyone will be depressed. In some houses, they say, if there was no microwave or McDonald's, everyone would starve. <laughs> Sad to say. Because there's no plan or 
No organization. And they say, oh, there's takeout anyways. There's Uber Eats. No. One guy said, if the stove were as hot as the TV around here, we'll be in fine shape. Wow. Nakalungkot naman nun, no? Wala nang ginawa. Kundi manood na lang ng TV. Di ba? But thanks be to God, we have good moms here. Amen? A lot of great moms. And you know what? It's gonna be Mother's Day next week. Hmm. Wow. If, if the mother is happy in the home, everybody else is happy. Because she's the heart, isn't it? So, ha kids, husband, think of something to make them happy, even today. Amen? But thank God for godly mothers. Thank God for virtuous women who fear the Lord. So our family, there's some organization in it. Our finances should be organized too. Amen? Our business should have a plan. And some of us need sometimes to clean our desks then we'll find that there's wood under there. Our personal lives need to be organized and prioritized properly or the result will be in chaos. When all else fails, read the directions from the Word of God. Amen? Actually, before anything else fail, already read the Word of God. God's Word instructs us in how to organize and prioritize our lives. We are not supposed to just live on our whims and impulses. We need to live for what is truly important, not just what is urgent. Amen? What are the things you're living for today? I hope they are things that are important. They are things that will matter for eternity. And one of them is our personal relationship with God. We need to invest in those things. Amen? About the kingdom of God, His church, souls. I want to live my life not have others live it for me. But I need to decide what is truly important and the direction of the Word of God will help me. You see, for instance, the Bible teaches that family is to be more important than work, isn't it? No man ever lay on his deathbed saying, I wish I had spent more time at work. And there's something more important though than family, and that is God and His kingdom. His church and things of eternal value. That's why the Bible declares in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. We can turn our Bibles there, right? Uh, mas mabilis si Brother Gilbert sa akin. But Matthew chapter um, 6, verse 19 to 21. Because Matthew 6, 33 is very famous. Amen? But 19 to 21, the Bible declares, Lay not! Up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up. There's the negative in verse 90, but verse 20 is positive. Lay not to the things that will not remain for eternity, but lay up for the things that will matter for eternity. Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There will your heart be also. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Let's turn there as a reminder. All right. Uh, let's read verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Set our affections on things above. God's kingdom, God's word, Souls of men, amen? 
lay our treasures up there because what you do for the Lord today, what you invest for the Lord today and His kingdom are materials that you're sending up there in glory. So that should encourage us to serve the Lord. Amen? No matter what. Because we are saved to serve. We are saved to serve. And you can have a part in the ministry here. You can have a part in serving the Lord in different ways. As we can see here in Nehemiah chapter 3, these builders of the wall, that they took their job seriously and they were able to complete this task, you know, in a recorded, you know, days, 52 days. So, yes, the family is important, but there's more, something important than the family, and that is our relationship with the Lord. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, the same chapter in Matthew chapter 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Yes, family is important, but God is more important. And don't let family hinder you in serving God. Sometimes there are Christians, they got a, a child from God or they got a visitor, extended family come to their uh, uh, houses and you will not see them at church, isn't it? So who is more important, family or God? It's supposed to be God. What will it take to get some to make, their, to make God their first priority, to take the Lord's day off their calendar where no one is allowed to make any plans that day? Amen? But I'll give that day for the Lord. It's for the Lord. It is His day. And I, I'm willing and in my desire is to worship Him, to thank Him, to praise Him. Because of what he has done for me, there is blessedness in trusting God. We learned that in our Sunday school today in the men. Blessedness in trusting God. That way, that's why we can praise him because our eternity is secured. Amen? Our future is secured. But for you to be blessed, you need to put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's just the blessing. Amen? But it's supposed to be an, a, a good first impulse or reaction of what God has, has done for you. You're not serving Him because you want just to be rewarded, amen? You're serving Him because you want to. You desire to. Because that's the least we can do for everything that He has done for us. Is God even more important to you than family? Look at Luke 14.26. Luke 14.26. The Bible says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, that's an Old King James Version, and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What does that verse mean, Pastor Sam? God does not really want us to hate our family. That's not the meaning of this verse. The meaning is he wants us to love him. God wants us to love him so supremely and make him such a high priority that by comparison, our love for our family seems like hatred. He's also saying that if we are in conflict between making him our priority or anyone else, we need to choose him. Choose God first, amen? And the rest will follow. The rest will follow. But you know what? As they said, blood is thicker than water, isn't it? And anytime somebody, sometimes in uh, a church, when somebody leaves the church, they take their whole extended family with them. It proves their loyalty is higher to family than to God. Sometimes blood is really thicker than water. And would to God, we realize that it's the blood of Jesus, though, that makes a church family. And that is supposed to tie us all together. 
Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? That's the one that ties us together. That's the one that keeps us connected to each other. Because, yes, we have our own faults. We have our own backgrounds and personalities. But when we think about the blood of Christ that put us together in the same place, that's the reason that we can work together and serve Him together. Amen? We can now exercise compassion and forgiveness and understanding because we believe that the blood of Jesus is the one that forgives us of all our sins, is the one that keeps us together. Sometimes this is the problem and the reason why some won't confront their spouse about coming to church. It's why some won't correct their adult children who are not doing right because they said uh, family is more important than anything else. They are saying, I don't want to do any harm to our relationship, so I'm not going to push things to them that are spiritual. In other words, family before God happens. But is that supposed to? Of course, we don't just talk to them out of, you know, frustration, but we need to speak the truth in love. Amen? And sometimes truth hurts. But for us who knows the truth and we have a family that's wayward or out of God's will, we need to speak the truth in love and encourage them to go back to God because living for the Lord, walking with Him as the choir had sung today, I will walk with Jesus. Amen? It doesn't matter what happened in the past, your failure. It doesn't matter what, what's happening right now. What matters is you are in tune with God. You're walking with Him. It's always a time to get back to the Lord. But you know what? Maybe God will be the one who will be using you to speak that to your own family your spouse, to your children. Hey, let's get back to God. Hey, let's trust the Lord. Hey, let's, let's, let's live for Him because we don't have much time. We're living in the last days with everything that's happening in the world right now. When you do that, you're putting God first in your life. Uh, seems like sometimes it's tough, no? That's why we need to ask God for wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom because I want to put you first before family, before anything else. Before my finances, before my own personal, you know, dreams and pleasure. Because when you seek God's will, God's kingdom first, the Bible promised, all these things shall be added unto you. What are things that can be added unto you? Amen. Peace. Joy. Amen. Huh? Things that you need. God already knows what you need. But if you honor Him first, you put Him first by His grace, He will supply that need. He'll give you fulfillment. Amen and satisfaction. It's true. God is a God of superior organization, and we should strive to do His business in a careful, thoughtful manner with proper priorities put into place, not just living on impulse. Look at verse 2, the word build, or builded here in Nehemiah chapter 3. The Hebrew word for this is used six times in reference to the wall, and it simply means rebuilt. Rebuilt. The implication is that no Take note, new material was needed to rebuild the wall. Now the gates that were burnt required new timber, but laying in the rubble was all they need for the walls. The broken walls, they have rubbles that are out of place, that are on the ground. They just need to put it back. So what can we learn from this spiritual application? That's how it is in building walls for God. It is not by inventing clever new things that we build the church. It's by going back to the old doctrines that are lying in the rubble. We have many broken down walls and we could be able to raise them back up if we will just 
build and rebuild what was already there. Sometimes it means going back to old methods, isn't it? Sometimes we have new methods of reaching others. But the methods can vary, can change, but the message is still the same. Amen? We still preach Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the only one that can save you, can change you. Now I'm old for trying new things, but in principle, they need to still be aimed down the old paths of the Bible. As the Bible says, don't forget the old paths, the old landmarks. Many churches today are getting away from preaching, saying that people don't have much tolerance for that anymore. They might be right about our intolerance as a Bible-believing church. Not many want to hear preachings about hell. Amen? That is still hot. That's still real. That lost people, rejecting people of the gospel will still go there. But it still has to be preached. It has to be taught. Because we don't want people to go there. You know, they're still preaching about you know, the end of the world, that judgment is coming to this unbelieving world, that sin is still sin, regardless of what the culture is dictating. Amen? Immorality is still immorality. Fornication is still fornication. God has to judge that. Adultery is still adultery. Gobbling is still, you know, against God's word. All those things. Porn, you know, drinkings, alcohol and subs uh, abusive substance that you're not supposed to feel you or influence you instead of the Holy Spirit influencing you. It's still in the Bible. God's word never changed. So should we. There's judgment for those sins. But you know what? The blessing is there is forgiveness also in the word of God. There is a new life. There's a new chapter. There's a new chance. There's a new clean slate for everyone who asks God for forgiveness and asks the Lord for a change. God is still there to forgive and restore. And some today are laying aside preaching altogether. They just want to preach about, you know, feeling good, about peace and prosperity, and they forget about sin. But it's not supposed to be, isn't it? Because sin still has to be dealt with. Amen? Because God is still holy and just and righteous. You know, some churches are just doing dramas, playing videos, more music based. But you know what? I'm not against those things. I like drama. Sometimes di natin gusto yung drama pag sa mga anak natin, di ba? Too much drama. I like drama and music and videos, but there is no substitute for preaching and teaching God's word. That's why 1 Corinthians 1.17, it says, Therefore Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. This is Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 1.21, on the latter end, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. To, to, to the, what we call, quote-unquote, like, intelligent world, secular world, with, uh, with their PhDs and everything. Like, oh, I can be saved, I can go to heaven by the cross? Even during this time, the Greek scholars, the, the, the wise people are, are saying, even the Jews, isn't it? I can be redeemed, I can go to heaven by the cross of Jesus? Well, cursed is a man who hangs in a tree, isn't it? The cross is like a, a, a place or... Uh, uh, a way of uh, excruciating death. It's a shameful death. It's an embarrassing death. Criminals are hung there. But you know what? Christ bore the sins of the world. He became cursed for us. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. And we just studied it in the seventh saying of Christ that God the Father has to turn His back from the Son because the sins of the whole world were put on Jesus. 
There was darkness because God is purging and judging the sins of you and I and the whole world from all eternity, from, from the first uh, Adam all the way to the last person that will be born. Because in Christ's mind and in his heart, he loves all men. He wants to save them. He wants to bridge that great gap, that great chasm from a righteous, holy God and sinful human world, sinful sinners like me. And the only way to do that is through the cross. Amen? It's still the cross. It seems like it's foolishness to the world that we can go to God. But for us, it is the power of God unto salvation. So preach it. Amen? Share it, the cross of Jesus, because truly it made a difference in us. Because without the cross, there is no shedding of Jesus' blood for the remission of our sins. Look at Titus 1.3. But had in due times manifested his word through, what again? Preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God and Savior. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. 2 Timothy 4.2. It says there, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Rebuke, reprove, and exhort with long suffering. Once again, we speak the truth in love. It's not hate that propels us to teach and preach this. It's because God hates sin, amen? Because sin will cause you real damage, amen? Sin will bring forth death. And God is a giver of life, abundant life. And He's just trying to warn us. He's just trying to direct us not to play with sin. Not to fall into those temptation because God wants the best for us. God wants to prosper us. And He's the only one that can do that for us if we listen and obey to His Word. We need to get back to the old path of preaching God's Word. It's nice when we can have great special music like what we have this morning. Amen? But we can have that all the time in every service. And I'm thankful I'm part of a church that is not just here for the music anyway, but they're here to hear the word of God. Amen? That says the Lord. And that's important, brethren. Some churches just put so-called uh, a Christian rock band on the platform like a stage. And many people come just for the show. Well, you know, if that is what it takes to put Butts in the seat, so to speak, then maybe we'll have a smaller crowd. But praise God, they'll be here for the right reason. Because they're a sinner who needs their toes stepped on. And they're thirsty to hear the truth of the Bible. That's why I'm excited for this month of May in our education evangelism month. We, we invited Bible speakers, people who fear God. Amen? Who knows the Bible to teach us things. We are excited for Dr. Cook to come and teach us about Bible prophecy. You know, and the end times with a person who is very well versed in the history as a Jew, as a veteran of Israel, and that guy also needs to be saved. <laughs> huh? and, and Dr. Cook is trying to like, you know, lead him to these conferences. He has the spiritual side and he has the historical side because we want to educate our people. And, we, and that's, that's the way the church is supposed to be, isn't it? You, you are here to be fed spiritually by the word of God. That's why it's very important to be here. Amen? Because we can only rebuild or rebuild things from the broken walls that are already there. So what are the broken walls? Sometimes, as I said, we don't need new devices, clever ways. We just need to do old things, you know, like 
Rebuild the walls of discipleship. Amen? Rebuild the walls of sacrificial service, sacrificial giving, giving to missions. I know sometimes the pandemic, the economy has dampened those things. But once again, I want to encourage you, trust the Lord. If you've given a vow or an oath to God to give something for Him, when you look at your budget, once again, Matthew 6.33, amen? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You trust the Lord when you give Him what belongs to Him. He will provide the rest, amen? And God has never failed His children yet. The Bible says He's never seen the righteous begging bread when we honor the Lord. He will provide, folks. He will provide. And you know what? You'll be rewarded, not just here on earth, but most of all in heaven because you are laying up treasure there. How about rebuilding the walls of our prayer life? Amen? About rebuilding the walls of faithfulness and just purpose in our heart that we're going to support the church each time. The doors are open in our prayers, in our presence, either virtually or in person. I know many places uh, with the pandemic, they don't have any more prayer meetings. They don't have any more afternoon service. They only have one church day. But thanks be to God, we can still offer that to our church membership so you can have those opportunities to hear God's word, to see each other and fellowship. Amen? It's only by the grace of God. I want to God to call, um, I want God as Pastor Max had done in the past and past leadership in here in the church, they want to build something or rebuild something that will last permanently. Amen? That will also benefit the other generation. And here in our church, we have a wonderful spiritual structure organization. You know? Because verse 4, it says there, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 4, the word repaired, you can only find this if you notice, if you have time to scan or read the whole chapter, that the word repaired is used thrice. It means to make strong or firm. The other verses are only used twice or once, but here is thrice. So the lesson here, Nehemiah is not interested in a quick fix. He wants to establish something permanent. Like a strong wall, isn't it? A dependable wall, because wall is a mean of protection. Wall is a mean of, like, also glory. He doesn't want a whitewash wall that will just crumble in a few years. He wanted to build something to the glory of God that will stand the test of time. And you know what? By the grace of God, the church is still standing right now. With all the storms and trials, with everything that happened, we're still here because we have founders. We have people that God had used through the years. To build a wonderful spiritual organization structure in the church. You know, we need to be rooted and grounded in love, as the Bible says. That's why we teach doctrine in this church. Amen? We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Why? Because anything worth doing for God is worth doing it right. Amen? Anything worth doing for God is worth doing it right. 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. And sometimes, you know, it's only by the grace of God we can do things, you know? Sometimes it's last moment, sometimes. That's why I thank God for our church members here um, for our next point. Okay, I have to end with this point. Splendid cooperation. Not just superior organization, but a splendid cooperation. I thank God for people here in our church who are serving God in multi-ways. 
officers that are help, helping other ministries and just have a heart to, to watch and to see that everything has its place. You know who you are. God bless you. Thank you for what you do for the Lord. Because in this verse, people work together to get the job done. As I said, 38 individuals are named. 42 different groups are identified. Just give me a few minutes to uh, give you some of them. Many different groups were involved in the work. Some labored as family units, others by towns, crafts like goldsmiths and apothecary, trades like merchants in verse 31, and callings, even the priest. You know, um, in verse 1, 21, 22, and 28, Levites, temple servants, or they are called Nethinim in verse 17 and 26, district officers in verse 9, one man even mobilized his daughters to help rebuilding the walls. Hi, young people, you can help. You have a place in the church, amen? In rebuilding the church because everybody can have a part. That's the blessing. Everyone can have a part. Everyone can put up something. Oh, I love to read that. Nehemiah 3.12. It says there, And next unto him, notice that phrase, next unto him, always, repaired Shalom, the son of Halawesh, and ruler of her part of Jerusalem, he and his daughters. Even yung mga kababaihan, di ba? Mga young people. They help, they pitch in. You know? What a wonderful cooperation. 38 individuals and 42 different groups I identified. I don't, as I said, I don't have time to mention all of them. But look, it reminds me of the story of the little red hen. Remember? How many of you are aware with that? Little red hen. You know? In the tale, the little red hen finds a grain of wheat and asks for help from the other farmyard animals to plant it. However, no animal will volunteer to help her. Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the pig, etc. Okay then, as we know the story, I will do it myself, she would reply. At each further stage, the harvest, the threshing, the milling of the wheat into flour and baking the flour into bread, like pandisal, you know? Mm. The hen again asks for help from other animals, but again, she gets no assistance. Finally, the hen has completed her task and asks who will help her now eat the bread. The best part now. That this time, all the previous non-participants, you know, eagerly volunteer. Uh, the pig first. <laughs> the goat, all the animals, according to the story. However, she declines their help in eating the bread, stating that no one aided her in the preparation work, and so I will eat it myself, if she states. Isn't it? That's the little red hen story in the books. There's an alternate ending for that today. Alternate endings, like a movie, no? Huh? Mga series, mga Avengers, gusto nila may alternate ending. That evening, some guests arrived and there was nothing to serve but bread. <laughs> the little red hen was so busy doing things that others could have helped in that she failed to plan and make the main course. The meal was a disaster. The hen went into a depression and lived unhappily ever after. That a sad alternate ending. Diba? You know, sometimes we pride ourselves in our work ethic when we do it all. But it is not wise. A leader should work and set the example. That's why Nehemiah is such a master delegator. This project. We can learn from him. 
Because the leader should work and set the example, but the worst thing a leader can do is try to do it all himself. No one man can do it all, but everyone needs the lesson can do something. You can do something. I can do something. You can do something that I cannot do. I can do something that you cannot do. But everyone has a place. Moody said, I'd rather get 100 men to work than to do the work of 100 men. Because I'd burn out and it would not be done very well anyways. That's why I thank God for people who work here in our church that are doing things for the Lord in a lot of ways, multitasking. So quickly, four groups that we can see in this passage of Scripture. First, there are the leaders who set the example. Verse 1, Nehemiah chapter 3, Elishab the high priest. So priests are not used according to the customs here for manual labor, but they jump in and got their hands dirty. They rolled their sleeves and start working in rebuilding the walls, putting the rubbles back. They did not say, sorry, we don't do that kind of work. And if they hadn't done that, I doubt anyone else would have joined the work. So the priest, the highest in the spiritual leaders, did the work also. So we can say it's not do as I say, but do as I do. All of us had to do that. Amen? Because our words, our actions speak louder than our words by the grace of God. Not only that, leaders who set example, but followers, faithful followers who do their job. That's why we use, we see the phrase next unto him. Fifteen times in this chapter, there is a principle here. Every section of the wall, every inch was covered. The wall was for protection. And so a hole in the wall was just as dangerous as no wall at all. Because if there's a hole in the wall, it can be breached. Remember the story of like there's a dam or a dike? That a little boy saw that there's a hole in it and he started putting his finger to stop the hole. The flood and people came in and started, you know, because if that is not, you know, plugged, it can cause more disaster and damage. Isn't it? So, of course, a lot of pastors, it breaks their heart to see holes in the wall, so to speak, in their church. People not carrying their load, jobs undone, gaps in God's master plan. And there are things that needs to be done. So don't expect that someone else will do it. It won't happen until you do it. Amen? And God will give you the wisdom. And say, oh, I can serve the Lord in this matter, in this way. I could serve the Lord in this matter, in this way. I have this capability, this skill, this spiritual gift, this talent, this natural skill that I can be used by God. There's also the shirkers who would not get involved. Verse 5, it says there, and next unto them, the Telukites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. Ano itong mga to? Stiff neck? They cannot put their necks. It's too stiff. But the nobles. Huh? Sad, di ba? They would not get involved. There are people like that in every church. They might sit back and watch. They might attend faithfully or even give money, but won't get involved personally. It's like Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam di ba? In the war. I want you. Also God who is the captain of our soul, who is our chief commander. He wants you. And it's a privilege to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. You have a part. You can be used by God. Because it's not just right to come and enjoy the fellowship and the preaching, but never get involved personally. We don't want to be a spectator kind of Christian. Amen? Nominal Christian, but we want to be an involved one, participant. Because there is joy. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. You know, there is this story here. 
about being involved. You know what? True story. In 1915, Leon Trotsky, future leader of the Bolshevik Revolution, who would one day lead Russia into communism, was invited to a Sunday school class in Chicago, and he attended. He was a young man in search of ideas in life. The Sunday school teacher, though, did not show up and did not cover himself either. The class sat there in an empty room. So far as history tells us, it was the last time he ever set foot in a church. And in 1917, he led Russia into atheistic communism. How would things have been different, perhaps, if on that day, standing before him, was a spirit-filled, Bible-drilled, victory-thrilled man of God, but he missed his place along the wall. There was a bridge. So, hindi lang po basta-basta ang Sunday school teacher. Amen? It's a privilege. It's a blessing to serve God in that behalf. Let's do it faithfully unto the Lord. Once again, unto the Lord. Amen? Because, I tell you, you might be discouraged sometimes, but you know, it's God whom you're serving. Let's look at that. Amen? And I want to be faithful. I want to be a good steward because I know it's the least I can do for the Lord who saved me. And last group, those who were willing to do more. Verse 11, we see the phrase here, repair the other piece. Verse 19, verse 21, verse 24, it shows the same thing. Repair the other piece. These were finished in what they were told to do, but they fell back in line to help make up for those who did not do their job. It's like they're reporting for duty. So, what would our church do if not for our multitaskers? Amen? There are names, there are faces in my head right now. And you know who you are. Thank God for you. Keep it up. And oh, I don't want you to burn people out. We don't want to take people out of too many church services, but it's a reality that this group will always be needed. Amen? Thank God they are those in every church and have plenty of those in our church. Amen? What would happen if everyone did their part in building the wall? I think I have some pictures there, isn't it? It can be completed. It can be done. Somebody says this a poem. Isn't it strange that princes and kings and clowns that caper in sawdust rings and just plain folks like you and me are builders for eternity? To each is given a bag of tools, a shapeless mass and a book of rules. And each man must make ere life is flown a stumbling block or a stepping stone. You know what, folks? We all have tools God has given us. Will we be a stumbling block or a stepping stone? Rather be the latter. I want to be a stepping stone in building the work of the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord willing, next time we'll study the third point, the spiritual application as we look at these ten gates, deep, good spiritual meaning that we can be able to apply. But this morning, the message is simple. We are saved to serve, isn't it? We have the opportunity to rebuild the walls, of broken walls in our lives and in our church. And uh, I'm trying to learn this lesson in my own self. And... Uh, we need to confess to God our incapacities, isn't it? Our limitations. But thank God, God is a God of help and strength and wisdom. 
And right now, folks, um, the world, the devil, the old flesh is busy in tearing down, isn't it? The walls that God has built in our lives. But let's not allow that to happen. Let's continue to build and rebuild. Walls of prayer, walls of our personal relationship with God, walls of reminding, praying, teaching our children, witnessing. It's evangelism month. And, uh, may God give us the desire to tell somebody about Jesus. You know, I encourage my, my daughters in our uh, prayer altar, you know what? The first step you need to do uh, with your unsaved uh, classmates is to pray for their salvation. It seems like it's getting tougher right now to share the gospel because there's so much deception out there in the world. Secularism, humanism has even permeated diba, ang public school system right now. That's why we need to continue to talk to our children about, about the Lord, about what the Bible says about some matters in this life, the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of life about the family that God designed because there's so much counterfeit and deception out there. They need to know what they believe in. And I said, you know what? That's the first step you can do is to pray that they'll be able to hear the gospel. If not from you, God will just allow them to hear a preaching or a Christian will share them the gospel. If you really love them, if you really care for them, and for us, we have our own mission field, isn't it? folks. We know of loved ones and friends, co-workers that are still not saved. And once again, we are reminded during our evangelism month, not just this month, but the rest of the year, first we have to have a vision and a burden to pray for their salvation. Build a relationship. There you go. With them. Sometimes you need to make a sacrifice, spend time and effort and money just to reach out to them but when you do it for the Lord for the ultimate goal of sharing Jesus what he has done then it's worth it isn't it because that's supposed to be one of our main drives as a Christian and in your own words and prayer pray to the Lord is there something you need to rebuild in your Christian life for our um New believers here, God's word will build you up. I, I encourage you to read it, to study it, to be in places where it is taught. Desire to know more about God who saved you because He wants the best for you. He wants you to be strengthened. He wants you to continue to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ because it's a wonderful life. It might not be free from trials and troubles and Sufferings, but walking with Jesus as our choir had sung, I will walk with Jesus today is a wonderful and fulfilling kind of life. Because you have that peace, you have that assurance that no matter what life throws at you, you are never alone. You have a God in heaven that will help you. You have a God in heaven you can pray to, you can have His promises in your life. You know the joy of answered prayers. You'll, you, you'll find out the joy of Witnessing and winning a soul for Christ. No, that cannot be that cannot be compared. Yes, we found out that Nehemiah is a master delegator, yeah. 
And I thank God for our church. There are a lot of church members here, officers, members that are multitaskers. God has given them the wisdom to exercise their spiritual gift, just the ministry of help. God knows who you are and encourage you, please continue to do it because it's the Lord that we are serving. It's not anyone else in this church. If, if the pastor or anyone else will see it or will not see it or give you praises about it or notice you, still do it for the Lord because God sees everything anyways. And if you do it out of love, out of the right motive, He will be praised. He will be glorified. About rebuilding the walls of our giving unto the Lord. We have this Nehemiah project and it's only the generosity of God's people. And I thank God because our, our church has a, a good heart in helping others, our missionaries. We even have one that passed away. We have Christians in Ukraine that we were able to help. And I praise and thank God for that. Keep it up, folks, because whatever you give unto the Lord, even a simple matter, a cent, when it's used for the Lord, for His kingdom, it's something worth for eternity. If you're here today, if you're not saved, God wants to rebuild His relationship toward you. It was destroyed by sin. We were separated from God because of our sin, but Christ came into this world to restore that. And if you're here today, just trust Him. Ask Him to save you. He'll save you today and that relationship will be restored. Just ask Him to come into your heart and pray a prayer of faith like this. It can lead you into one. Lord Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I want you to save me by your grace. I realize I'm a sinner. I repent of all my sins. Forgive me. And by faith, I ask you to save me. Come now into my heart and life to be my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. It's a prayer that the Lord will always hear from a sincere, repenting sinner. But for us as Christians, the message is simple. Lord, use me to help build that wall for your glory, for your kingdom, for my family from this world. I need your help. I need your strength. Father God in heaven, thank you for this lesson that you taught us today. Thank you for the example of Nehemiah. Thank you, Lord, that there's that superior organization, that splendid cooperation from God's people. Even here in our church, we might have differences, but we have the same goal. By your grace, and that is, Lord, to lift the name of Jesus, to see souls get saved, to see Christians get strengthened. And thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness through the years. It's only by your grace, Lord, and tender mercy that we're still here despite of everything, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've reminded us. Bless now your word upon our hearts, for we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen folks. Thank you for listening to the word. Let me call.